Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking. We've been delivered. And I think that is such a beautiful space to start this morning. Um, Yeah. We're going to have an opportunity to hear uh, a long passage of scripture today. Um, and, and some of that is because I really feel like in a season when, um, when we've been experiencing so much change, so much stuff, uh, scripture is our, the, the term that I've heard is our norming norm. It's what anchors us. It was, it's what brings us back to the truth. And scripture is truth. Jesus reveals himself through scripture. God reveals his heart to us through scripture. Um, but I, this is a very familiar passage, and th- I'm so grateful that this is a passage that I get an opportunity to, to, to say a few words about this morning. But I want us to hear from God first and foremost as we listen to this passage. So I'm going to have Chrissy. She's going to read um, John 11. And so let's just pay attention to the word. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and, his, and her sister and Lazarus, having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea, to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death. They thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one coming into the world. When she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in the spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there has been a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked forward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you would always hear me. But I have said for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council and said, what are we to do? This man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Do you not understand that it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed? He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was about to die for the nation and not for the nation only, but to gather into the one dispersed children of God. 
So from that day on, they planned to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked about openly among the Jews, but went from there to a town called Ephraim in the region near the wilderness, and he remained there with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and were asking one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? Surely he will not come to the festival, will he? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know so they might arrest him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so this passage is the turning point in Jesus's ministry as we travel through the book of John. Um, The Pharisees are now seeking to kill Jesus, and it's fascinating what we see happen. And there's so much we could unpack, but I really feel like the Lord's given me three things uh, for us this morning. And the first thing I want to say is this. Martha and Mary have very different responses when they see Jesus, but also very similar. And so Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you've been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask him. Mary says, Mary came to Jesus and when she saw him, she knelt at his feet and said, Lord, if you've been here, my brother would not have died. Martha and Mary are different. They both come to this place of sorrow with lament. And they both come to this place with this longing and this knowledge that if Jesus was here, something would have been different. And many of us have had those moments in life when things have gone really south or when things have not been at the space where we long for them to be or when we feel like we were supposed to be doing something and it has been frustrated or failed. And this is the importance of lament. Um, A good friend of mine was telling me about one of the things that he does in terms of his lament, he makes one-day contracts with God. But the lament is this beautiful opportunity for the followers of Christ to recognize that our feelings actually matter and that Jesus is big enough to bear and hear our laments. He can bear our emotions. He can bear our anguish. And some of us feel that today. But I want to remind us that bearing these things and voicing these things to Christ is the beginning of the healing work of resurrection. And so if you're, I want, I want to invite you in this time to utilize the chat. And if there are feelings that you have felt this week that you have not been able to verbalize, I want you to verbalize them to God. And I love how Tim already led us in some of that exercise. What are those hard emotions? We're going to get to the, we're going to get to the joy. We're going to get to the God things that he has for us. But I want us to just feel free to put those things in words as we have an opportunity to be together this morning. And so post them in the chat. So what happens in this story and the place where God really focused my heart next is when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in his spirit and deeply moved. And he says this amazing thing, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. Um, I've heard some some people say that Jesus weeps because he knows that it's going to be it'll be him next, 
Uh, some have said he weeps because um, he just feels like that's the right thing to do at this moment. But I'm glad I get a chance to talk about heresy this morning, because I don't think that Jesus weeps just as an act. I think Jesus is deeply moved, and the heresy that, that, this, that this kind of exposes is this heresy of docetism, which is a part of Gnostic faith, which basically means, really simple, everything that is spirit is good and anything bodily is bad. So Jesus looked human, but he wasn't really. Um, that Christ's body was not human. It was either like a ghost or a phantom or some kind of celestial substance, but his sufferings were only apparent, but they weren't real. But my friends, we serve a weeping Messiah. And what do we do with the weeping Messiah? Because there is deep power in this passage, because there is power in tears. I think about the earliest memories of my life, and some of them are really happy memories, but a lot of them are memories where I I remember tears being present. And the first one was I was in kindergarten when the Challenger space shuttle exploded. And I remember watching it on TV and just seeing my teachers weep, my teacher weeping and our classmates weeping and everybody crying. Um, I remember being about 10 years old and really good friends of my parents died in a car accident. And I remember my dad hanging up the phone and then he just disappeared. And my brother and I, we, we snuck upstairs to our attic and we saw my dad crying. It changed, it changed something inside me. I recognize that my dad not only was Superman, but that Superman could cry. I remember tears present when uh, the day I got married, I, I wept like a baby. Uh, the day that both of my babies were born, I wept. I remember tears being present um, with many of you as we sat and talked about difficult spaces and times. But tears are sacred. Um, people say that tears are liquid prayers. They have a way of healing. It's like this deep cleansing of our soul that bubbles up. And where these tears fall, something beautiful begins to emerge and grow. I think of tears of fathers and mothers over their children over decades. I think of the way that we continue to be a community that wants to be comfortable with tears. I love how most Sundays when we gather back in the Boys and Girls Club in, in, in years past, tears are present almost every Sunday because somehow God is at work in the midst of tears. There's this really cool psalm, it's Psalm 56, and Ben pointed this out to me the other day. It says this, you have kept count of my tossings and you have put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your record? And the word for bottle is also a word that can be translated in the Hebrew to wineskin, that God catches our tears in these wineskins. And it reminded me of a vision that Tim had a few months ago or a few years ago or a while ago that it was God, Jesus was pouring out this wine and saying, now build a wineskin around the new wine that I'm pouring out. And so what if Renew, what if this season we are building wineskins around the tears? What if this is the calling of us being a people who continue to press into what it means to be empathetic, to be like Jesus, who comes alongside the grieving sisters and weeps with them and holds them? Jesus catches our tears. He doesn't turn away from them. He doesn't get uncomfortable or awkward. I loved that picture that Aubrey showed in the beginning as she led us through prayer. But he doesn't just store them up either. He catches our tears and he transforms our tears.
So I think of the psalm, uh, the psalmist who writes in Psalm 126, may those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing seeds of sorrow shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Jesus does not waste our tears because he's a good God who loves us. He's not tame. He's not safe. He's wild, but he is good and he loves us. And our tears do something in the midst of us. They compel us to love. They expose deep longings. They expose what God is up to in our life. And in this season, our tears have power to be transformed by Jesus. And then we come to the crux of the story. This is the, the, the miracle, the miraculous part. Jesus, again, is greatly disturbed. He comes to the tomb in this cave. A stone was lying against it, and Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. My friends, this is powerful. It's like the cave. I could just picture the cave wall shaking as Lazarus stands up, takes a breath and begins to walk back out into life. And it reminds me that we are resurrection people. Paul writes, I also pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. My friends, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus says this to Mary or to Martha, those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do we believe this? We have this hope in this resurrection one day. And, and Martha saw that hope. And we, will be, we will face death, but we will be resurrected when we place our faith in Christ. The resurrection isn't just about someday far away when the trumpet sounds. That's going to be a glorious day, and we need to talk more about that day. The resurrection has power here and now. Resurrection will come to those who believe this abundant life, this abundant resurrection life. And it's through Christ, it's through his death on the cross, his life, his resurrection, that we enter into resurrected, abundant life. And so where does resurrection life begin for us who still feel like we're hanging out in the tomb? It begins with us taking off our grave clothes. Lazarus, and I love this statement, take off your grave clothes and go. Untie this man and let him free. And the truth is, is a lot of us, we've experienced this freedom, but we still hang out close to the cave. We kind of pick back up our grave clothes and we put them back on because they're comfortable or maybe we just got used to them. But I love the way that this passage challenges the people who are there to take a step into this weird, smelly death place and to assist in what resurrection looks like. And so Jesus says, take off these grave clothes and let him go. My friends, we are set free and we need to take off our grave clothes. 
And so I want to encourage us just when we begin to, to, to sense the stench of death coming back into our life, we need to be people that are saying, in Jesus' name, I take off fill in the blank. In Jesus' name, I take off the old way of thinking. In Jesus' name, I take off the patterns and the habits that have brought destruction. In Jesus' name, I take off shame. In Jesus' name, I take off guilt. In Jesus' name, I take off discouragement. In Jesus' name, I take off despair. In Jesus' name, I take off death. My friends, this is what the transformed life looks like. And when we've experienced this freedom, when, when we begin to like unpack the grave clothes and we begin to experience this freedom, our life is free and light and we begin to move in ways like we never have before. And it compels us to go and it compels us to move into these beautiful spaces and places where we begin to trust God. We go listening. We go with joy. We go with trusting that the spirit will lead us. We go in creativity and the power of the one who rose Christ from the dead lives inside of us. And we go to be Christ in our homes, our neighborhoods, our places of work, our protests, our prayer vigils, wherever we go, we go with Christ. We go to our neighbors. And I think this is the word for the church this morning, that there is this beautiful role of the church in the, in the transformation of Lazarus' life. And that is that we are the people that go to the graves and we help assist taking off the grave clothes. We step into the stench, and we come to a place where we begin to help others shed this stuff by reminding that in the, that in the name of Jesus, we take off these clothes. And so where do we go? And Renew, this is one thing that I, I want to, to remind us about. In a season where everything has felt like it's been shut down, Christ has not been shut down. In a season when it feels like we've been in isolation, we are not alone. In the season when it feels like things continue to go from bad to worse, we have to remember that we are people who belong to a different kingdom and who listen to a different king. And so we are called to engage in the world in which we are living in. And part of that is that we become people of joy that we are asked to build the wineskin around these tears, that we are people who are going to be with the hurting and the hungry, and we're going to talk about the cross and the power of the resurrection because that's who we are. We are people that when all hope is lost, we continue to say, oh, there is hope. We're people that when we come to Good Friday and Christ is laid in the tomb and we endure Holy Saturday, we know Easter is coming. We know that the resurrection is near. And so, renew, may we be a community that renews tears, that sees tears and weeping be turned into rejoicing. And what if God is raising up this new wine, this new wineskin in renew, that this ministry of, of catching tears, this ministry of seeing tears transformed? And so, I want to call out for some of us this morning. And this is going to be weird. Uh, some of you grew up in altar call world. Some of you did not. And it's weird to not have an altar to have people come up to. But if you need to take off grave clothes this morning, I just want to ask you to like hold your shirt up. If you have a shirt that you can take off without it getting weird or inappropriate, awesome. Go for that. But if you need grave clothes off right now, I just want you to lift it up because I needed this this week. I needed my grave clothes off. And so I, I want you to hold that up. And I, we're going to pray for a minute. So it's okay. You can keep holding it up. 
And you might be people where you're experiencing this freedom right now and you're experiencing revival and you need permission to run. You need permission to say, I'm going to start seeing what in the world the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. I want to believe that in this season, it's not a season of retreat. It's not a season of, of, of just a bunch of weeping, but it's also a season of kingdom advancement. And so some of you might be feeling this pull, like, man, I have all these friends that are asking these really hard questions, and I know Jesus is the answer. And like, if that's you, I just want you to like raise a hand, like just up to the heaven. Like we, you know, most of you are seeing me and maybe three other people on the top of your screen. But if you just want to be called out, like, God, I just want to be set out like Lazarus with my grave clothes all set forward. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I pray for my friends and my family, this new family of people who have been set free. Jesus, the temptation to put our grave clothes back on and to crawl into the cave is great. But you are not a God who calls us to retreat. You are a God who calls us to rest in you because you are hope and you are life and you are joy and you are power and you are resurrection. And so, Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus, whatever grave clothes that we're holding in our hand that needs to go, that you would help it to fall off today. Father, I pray that we would not put these grave clothes back on that we would be a renewed people, a people who have been set free and set into this beautiful space. And Lord, for those of us with our hands saying, God, call me, send me. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just anoint like thousands of seeds of joy in this moment. Father, that we would see um, the beautiful ways in which you're at work and we would begin to celebrate, Lord, that people would come to know you, that people would be set free, that we would become people that actually get kind of used to the smell of the graves because we hang out there, because we are the people who are helping to untie and unbind those who have been captured and those who have been in slavery. Lord, may we be a people who are continually trusting you. May we be a people who, who, who shed off these things and recognize that joy and that Jesus is the only answer and the only way forward. So Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. And Lord, may you empower us to be part of your kingdom work in this week today. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. May you call out Lazarus after Lazarus, after Lazarus, and may we be, may we continue to be part of that work. So thank you, Jesus. Yay, God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.